The Rams Review Podcast are delighted to announce a new sponsor for this season, the Terrace Apparel. The Terrace Apparel offers tributes to iconic sporting moments and heroes embroidered onto timeless crew neck tees made from organic cotton for a soft but durable t-shirt which makes them both comfortable and stylish. There are currently over 100 bespoke designs to choose from, from footballing legends, cricketing masterclasses to major winners, with more designs being added regularly. Can't find something that's special to you? You can even request your own iconic sporting moment. Contact them on their website, theterristapparel.com. But that's not all. For all Derby fans listening, we have had the pleasure of creating our own design, voted for by the listeners of the podcast over the last couple of weeks on our socials. You voted for the iconic Jim Smith and Igor Stimak at the baseball ground, which will be on sale very soon. Keep your eyes out on our socials for the product launch. Also, we can exclusively offer 15% off all purchases with the code RAMSREVIEW15. TheTerristApparel.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Rams Review Podcast with myself Jason and he's back. The man from America, Corey's here. Corey, how are we doing, mate? Oh, I thought you were going to say Chris Kirchner there for a minute, and then I got the cold sweats, and then I realized you were talking about me. Jason, it's great to be back in the saddle with you. It's been a while since me and you have just done, like, a twofer on here, so it's been it's been good to be back in the saddle with you, buddy. Oh, it is. It's absolutely it – is, it has been a while. It has been a few weeks, and we thought we would um, – we thought we would celebrate that by getting on uh, quite a special guest – uh, a new guest, a, a debut on the podcast, but not a debut to all things Derby County. It is current, I hope I get the title right, BBC Radio Derby Sports Summariser, if that's what you want to call it, Dominic Dietrich. Dominic, absolute pleasure to have you on the uh, Ramsaroo podcast. Thanks for joining us. No, I'm flattered to be on, guys. Really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the debut. I hope I can uh, make a good impression. I'm, I'm sure you'll manage. I've listened to, obviously, I do listen to quite a bit of Radio Derby. And you, you, you know, you're doing a pretty good job up till now. So uh, hopefully the uh, hopefully the podcast uh, the podcast will do well. And it is something that I want to go on to a little bit later on, and we'll we'll talk about your your love for Derby County and all that kind of stuff a little bit later on. But uh, we do start with things football, and we uh, we unfortunately we have to talk about friday night as you know that's one of the things that we do on the podcast Corey, i'm guessing uh, did you see much of the game on friday night i did see a little bit of the game jason and i want to just say my one point from the game on friday night and dom i don't know if you know the answer to this but why did both teams play in away kits cuz i mean we- the, the white of derby and the blue of ipswich I mean, that seems like that's pretty good. But then Darby decided to wear maroon and Ipswich were in like all black. And that just yeah. seemed that just seemed really weird. Do you know why that happened? We we don't actually have a clue. It was really strange. because um, when you describe sort of the teams coming out of the tunnel in our job, you, you immediately when the home team's there, you just go, Right, Ipswich coming out and they're all in their blue top, blue shorts, whatever. Um, and I committed to blue, blue, blue top. And then they take their tracksuits off and they've got black on. So I was, I was even more fuming. I wasn't happy. But um, no, not a clue why. It's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, it was, I, a, bit, I know. It was a bit of a strange one. Go on, Jason. I know the reason why. It, um, uh, I have to. We have to thank Owen Bradley for giving this information on Rams TV. It was actually something to do with the fact it's a kit that they've collaborated with Ed Sheeran. And it was the first day that it was on sale in their... Uh, in their shop, and that's the reason that they wore it. Wow, Ed Sheeran impacting the English football pyramid at every level. Wow, oh, that man gets around because he was at the Formula One race yesterday in Austin. Oh, yeah, that's Ipswich like... on a Friday, Austin on a Monday, uh, Sunday, and I mean, what, a what life. sort of a life that is. It's a bit like yours, <laughs> Corey. <laughs> oh yeah, almost. But uh, yeah, Dom, let's before we get on to the game. Well, let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, Derby lost against Ipswich. Townside that that's flying in the league that's doing really well. Um, honestly, I wasn't really surprised that Ipswich got the three points. They were at home. Um, they are flying in the league, and and we are still a team that is still undergoing a rebuild. And then in that rebuild, we do have a transition from one playing style and one manager 
to another. So it didn't necessarily surprise me too much, the result. Did it you, Dom? Um, no, the the result, maybe not. I think when you look at the form and, and maybe the reasons you've given, um, I, I think... I think Derby could have got something out of there. And look, if you if you look back at the game after sixty seven minutes, Derby were were not really threatened all that much. There wasn't too much to be concerned about. They were seeing out the game, and it looked like they were resigned to a to a nil nil draw. Paul Wall made his final changes just moments before Curtis Davis unfortunately makes that back pass. So, look, I, I don't think the result was inevitable. I still believe Derby could go to Ipswich and, and maybe get a win or, or pull off an upset, but. You've got to look at it in perspective of where Ipswich are on their journey. They're 18 months deep in with, with Kieran McKenna. They've got so much back in this season. They've had, they had Colin Chaplin as an unused substitute on their bench, who's arguably one of their best players. And you just look at that compared to Derby, who, as you mentioned, adapted to a new style. They're adapting to a new manager. Everything that's gone on, the squad is is bare thin. So, look, it... In in reality, when you look at that game, Derby shouldn't think they should go to Portman Road and get a get a result. But look, it's part of being a Derby fan, isn't it? You, you go into these games and, and you, you want to win every game of football. But unfortunately, it, it just isn't possible. But um, yeah, I'm sure Curtis will will regret obviously the back pass. But there were po- there were positives to take. It was just maybe the other end of the pitch that that Derby lacked. Yeah, I, I mean, I I got to see the game. Uh... It's kind of what my takeaway from it was, really. And I know um, there's a couple of other bits and pieces I want to talk about. There's a couple of injuries that, unfortunately, Derby have, by the looks of it, suffered over the last couple of games, which is obviously going to impact a little bit more in the coming weeks when we are going Friday, Saturday, Tuesday, whatever, for the next, for, for November and uh, and however many games <laughs> there seems to be in November already for, for Derby. But I thought, Ipswich to me, probably I think that's probably the best team performance that I've seen this season as a as a an opposition against Derby on their own patch. Never never a great place uh, for Derby to go. I've I've been a few times over the years down there, and Derby never never tend to come back with too much. Uh, that from what I remember back in the early two thousands when we were when we were there every year. But I just thought. Anybody, I think any, anybody watching that game would probably have said, oh, Ipswich with the better side. But I think then when you look at it in a little bit deeper, like you mentioned there, Dom, the, 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 the goal that Derby conceded is from a mistake. Joe Wildsmith has saved a penalty, fair enough. But after that, there wasn't, whilst there was quite a, a bit of forward play, you know, ball retention from Ipswich, their, their end product, what wasn't, as as good as many may well have seen uh, or thought from watching the game. And, you know, away from home, 1-0 down, you save a penalty. You know, the, the final 15 minutes, anything can happen. But unfortunately, I just I just don't think Derby offered enough in the entirety of the game going forward. And I just thought that final 15 minutes was when really we should have been you know, trying to throw the kitchen sink at it, we looked, we looked a little bit tired. We, which I think we have looked because we're we're not having the squad rotation that Ipswich have got. Like you've just said, they've got probably arguably two of their best players. Uh, I know Freddie Ladapo came on in that second half uh, uh, towards the end, but they've arguably got two of their best players sat on the bench. Derby at the moment just don't have that luxury, do they? So we are we are slightly in a in a different position to Ipswich, and I I did think on Friday night that that did show. I think that was quite telling what, what you said there, Jay, just in terms of the when the penalty was missed or, or saved by Joe Wildsmith, who deserves a lot of credit actually as well for a couple of recent performances and, and sometimes doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, I think it was the fact that Paul Warren had played his cards before that, that goal went in. So just a couple of minutes before he takes the Sula off, he had already taken Lewis Dobbin off and, and structured the team in a, in a sense that it felt like he was looking for the point. And then just for a few moments later, something he could not legislate for in, in that mistake from Curtis Davis. It did feel like as soon as the penalty was missed, you, you wanted to see that momentum lift and, and maybe throw some men forward. And I just don't think they had the, the bodies or the resource to, to unfortunately do it. But it's just a sad reality of Derby's squad at the minute. 
Yeah, I, I think it's fair. And I think when we look at it as a whole, I mean, to be honest with you, for, for all the huff and puff, it was a fast-paced end-to-end game. I mean, for, for a neutral, it, it, was a, it was a pretty decent watch. And I must admit, I, all the way through it, I, I did think, to myself it's one of them games where a mistake or that little bit of quality is going to shine through I never felt it was going to be two or three to, to either to either side and obviously unfortunately in the end Derby Derby didn't get what obviously us as Derby fans wanted but now you know you look at the bigger picture I don't think there's much else to talk about that game other than that really in in terms of it Derby just unfortunately didn't really didn't really show what they want you know what they can and how they have performed on the road over the last couple of games under Paul Warren but now I think other than what probably Sheffield Wednesday we and Portsmouth at at a push we've probably seen now a lot of the what we would expect to be the the front runners Corey in in this division and I know obviously we've lost to Ipswich we've lost we lost to Plymouth in a very strange game at Pride Park obviously three or four weeks ago but if that is the quality, and that's the top quality of League One, I don't think, in all fairness, Derby are a million miles away when they are so early on in this rebuild process. Yeah, I would agree with you, Jason. And I'd like to, Dan, that leads me into my next question as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've seen a lot of these top teams. We've seen that Derby can compete. And, and we've said this for a while on, on the pod, Jason, that. We have seen Derby play really, really good football, but it's been in fits and spouts for 15, 20 minutes at a time, every few games and and things like that. And we're really waiting for them to put together 90 minute performances week after week after week. Um, And I think you're right. We're not a million miles away. We are just, but I think Dom said there, we are a bit short on numbers. I think we are probably two or three quality players away from really competing at the top end of this division. Um, League One's tough. And right now, I mean, Ed asked us this on uh, Thursday night, Jason, when we were on the BBC uh, Radio Derby show. Are we happy with the season so far? Yes, I'm extremely happy with the season so far. I think with what we've been able to bring through the door, with the budget that we have, with the transfer embargoes that we have, and those, not the embargo, but the kind of the limitations that we have on it, I think we've done a fantastic job. And Dom, that's that's what leads me on to my next point with you. Are you happy with Derby season so far? Are, are, are we where we need to be in the table? Um, because we know the games in the Easter period kind of really decide. And if you can kind of linger outside that thing, you can really make a run. Are you happy where Derby are right now um, as a football club? I'm always quite wary of giving opinions, uh, just with the nature <laughs> of my job. Um, but look, I, I think Derby will be very happy with where they are now. When you look at the respect of the uh, games in hands at the moment. You, you look at this week, especially two home games before a month of away fixtures. There could be an opportunity here to to really get Derby up into the playoffs. And I think, look, two managers, an administration, however many new signers come through the door, 13, 14 new players over the summer. We go back to it all the time. Five contracted players at the start of pre-season. This club, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, has gone through so much overhaul. And I think that's sometimes not underestimated. But when you look at the work that Paul Ward and his coaching staff are having to do, they're coming into a club and they're the beacon of this new era. Everyone's sort of pinning that on on this coaching staff. And there is a tremendous amount of work to do for them to not only adapt to a side that they didn't recruit, uh, aside that they've been sort of left with 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 a, lo- a serious lack of numbers for their playing style as well. Um, I think when you look at the league table, Derby fans should smile because I think I think we've seen bigger clubs come into this division in the past that haven't been in with a shout or or in this sort of position to start with. I think it's a it's a great platform to build up, but that is just making sure that patience is given to the man in charge of building that platform, Paul Warren and, and his staff. And, and Don, let's go to Paul Warren. Um, he's been in charge for a few games now. You've obviously watched and commentated on all of his games. You've spoke to the man himself. Um, what are your, what are your impressions of him? And then, what are your what are your thoughts of his first few games of the Derby County tenure? Is, is, is he, he's headed in the right direction, I would assume, right after – I mean, he's on a four-year deal, so hopefully. Um, 
But uh, but uh, what differences in the team have you seen since since Paul Warren's come in, and, and what do you make of him as as the man when you've sat down in the room and interviewed him? Uh, first and foremost, I think as a as a man and as a bloke, I've I've not met any managers across my career so far that are as sort of easy to talk to, um, conversational. Um, they're warm, they're welcoming when you come to the club. Like he's come in and said hello, even when we're interviewing someone else, he's checked in and said hi. Um, He's a man that you get exactly what he gives you in terms of, you know, everything he says is exactly how he's feeling at that time. There's no rubbish. There's no nothing to really filter through, which I think for a, a journalist and someone in my point of view is brilliant. But I imagine as a player, it's pretty helpful as well because you're not left guessing. There's clarity on everything. Um, and he takes the time to appreciate your job as well as, you know, the job he's got in, on his hands as well. Um, but in terms of the playing style, that's the obvious difference, isn't it? Tarby fans for the last three, four years, think of all the managers, Koku, Rooney, Rossini, they've all wanted to have the ball. Um, and there's been an element of comfort in that, but there's also been a call for, for more directness. And I think this is what I've called quite a few times, a, a bit of a culture shock for Derby fans at the moment, because... With the ball comes that comfort, as I mentioned there. You're sat in the stands, you're sat in Pride Park. If Derby have the ball, you're not going to concede. But I think this is just a bit of a different strategy where they're playing on the counter-attack, they're looking to get at them and, and be aggressive and direct. And that is something this this Pride Park crowd hasn't seen. This is something away from home they haven't seen uh, for a long time at the football club. So there's definitely an adjustment period that needs to happen. But, I mean, look, they hadn't scored away from home before Paul Warren got there and one away from home and he's got in and he's amended that straight away. Um, but again, there will be hiccups. There will be bumps in the road because it's not his team. And he said that he said, these players are on trial uh, at the football club. And look, some of them are passing with flying colors. I think that's fair to say. I mean, hold on, Jason, Dom, mm. we have not only scored in a wing goal, we've won two away games back to back that is something i never thought i would ever say and two clean sheets exactly well. <laughs> well look at that uh jason if you, you obviously are very active on the twitter profile as i am as well we always put out our like what are your post-match thoughts and it's funny and it's noticeable every time darby lose under paul warren the comments swing a complete 180 degree to this is direct football this direct football is crap but a stronger word than that this is dog crap this is this, this is whatever. And it is it is a very sharp contrasting difference, like Dom said there, from what the previous managers have had. You sit in the South Stand, Jason. What I mean, what are you making of Warren Ball, I guess, is what we we're going to coin the term. I'm coining that term, Warren Ball. Um, well, to be honest with you, it was going to kind of be the thing that I moved on to because obviously uh, Paul Warren came in, Dobby got this pretty decent home record, bit of a stinker away from home. And it's absolutely flipped on his head he's other than Ipswich obviously he'd got a 100% record away from home but can't for some reason can't seem to buy a win at at Pride Park at the moment and and I think that's you know obviously that that's a mixture of things but that's why I think the next two games really are, are, are quite big Dom pointed out we've got about 12 away games in November that's obviously gonna it, it we've got to pick up these points at home um but I think it's about settling down the the home crowd and the expectations. Because, I mean, let's face it, we, we've said it on this podcast before, Corey, the previous five or six home games under Liam Rossini, I don't necessarily think we dominated a single one. I don't think you would have actually looked at any of those fixtures and said, Derby fully deserved the three points, but they got them most Saturdays of, of the fortnight. It's The style is massively different. It, it looks massively different. Obviously, I'm going on a, a very small sample size. I've only actually seen uh, Port Vale at home um, I've, uh, as as a live a live spectacle uh, under Paul Warns. So uh, I'm not unfortunately I can't go tomorrow because I'm at work. So Bristol City, uh, Bristol City, Bristol Rovers on Saturday. Saturday will be another another opportunity to see what that looks like. And it just so happens I've seen every away game so far that he's that he's been a manager of. And I thought in those two we we've performed quite well say Ipswich I think was a little bit different but I think they are a bit of a different kettle of fish to some of the fixtures that we've had recently um there will have been I'm sure 20 30 percent of fans that instantly didn't like him as soon as we lost against Port Vale that's just 
that's just the way of a, of a football fan, unfortunately. So I do think, and obviously then there was the result last week in the uh, Papa John's Trophy, which I'm, I mean, I don't think you can deny which that. Man will City's... not get a slice of. Uh, yeah, well. There we go. You know, my final Papa John's fun of the year, unfortunately. <laughs> Man City's under-21s clearly are, are good footballers and they are multi-million pound talents, which is obviously something that Derby County just don't have at the moment. But there's that tag of under-21s. Fans are still expecting Derby County to go and to go and brush them aside. And it was, I thought, personally, I, I thought Man City under-21s actually outplayed Derby for the majority of that game. I would Tuesday. take I would take that Carlos Borges guy right now. Yeah, I've so seen, would I. I, I mean, I've unfortunately, seen it up with... in like 15 minutes. I was like, yeah. this guy, this, yeah, this guy can come to Derby right now. Don't let him leave the building, David Klaus. Just go and yeah. get him. Unfortunately, sure. it's worth about 12 million, Corey. So yeah, I don't think probably, I don't think we're quite probably. in that uh, in that thing. But th- this is the thing. So a lot of Derby fans who obviously don't get to go away week in week out, they've not seen a poor worn team win a, win a game of football at home. So the longer that that goes on, I mean, obviously, two. Can you just imagine not uh, not three points tomorrow night or not three points on on Saturday against Bristol Rovers? And then you go into November and up obviously into the World Cup break where Paul Warren hasn't won a game at Pride Park. That is going to instantly eat at fans. And football fans are fickle. We say it all the time on the podcast, Corey. And, and in general, football fans can be fickle. If he goes and we win tomorrow night and we win on Saturday, it'll probably be the best thing since sliced bread and we'll be going into November. Will we be until... asking to give him the freedom of the city? Well, maybe, maybe. Like but our previous is... manager? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But... I mean, it's this, this is what football is, isn't it? It's it's people's perceptions, it's people's opinions, and I'm obviously looking for a positive result tomorrow night, and I'm also looking for a positive result on Saturday when I'm actually there, of course, because that obviously puts a downer on the weekend if you don't get. And you'll to see be one. watching Joey Barton's tactical masterclass. Joey Barton, football manager. Yes. Yeah. And the one and the same. Yeah. Well, we'll go on to that a, a little bit later, <laughs> but it's. I just think. Straight away, he's he's almost hit a back foot because of that Port Vale game in some people's mindsets. And and Dom, like you you pulled up there, this is a massive culture shock to a lot of Derby fans from what they've seen for the past seven or eight years. I mean, you can go back to the style that you know under Steve McLaren and things like that. Derby were winning football matches. Derby were riding high in the championship. Derby County at this moment moment in time are a mid-table League One side. There's there's a massive difference and. You know, people complained under Liam that it was all sideways and a bit too a bit too nice. And then somebody's come in who who definitely plays a different style of football. And just because we haven't won all four games, those fans decide to to comment on that. And obviously, as we know, with everything that goes on at Derby County, very easy as a fan base to to jump on certain bandwagons and 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 have opinions probably where opinions aren't necessarily required or wanted. But that that is the way Derby are, Corey, and it's. I just what what do what do some Derby fans expect? I mean, I mean, you could generalise that in football in whole, any supporters group of, of, of any football team. What is what do you expect with everything that's gone on? You you you're not going to get instant success. I mean, you know, Man City. Oh, takes, you look at Man City. Harland didn't yeah. score against Liverpool, and you know, all of a sudden he's he's not going to. Well, I see Paul Mason saying he's, he wouldn't score sixty goals in well, League Two. I mean, look at look at Liverpool. The first two three years under Jurgen Klopp, they were they were slowly. You know what I mean? They were always in the big six, but then it's they progressed each season and they became whatever. And now they're kind of on a low ebb going into our Carabao Cup game for us to get smashed. But, you know, it is it is what it is. But you're dead on, Jason. I think we are a mid-table League One team at this moment in time. We all, all three of us and the entire fan base strive for us to be back at the top end of the championship, competing like we were doing, blowing teams away. But inevitably, like Dom had just said a few moments ago, with everything that we've been through, with the managerial changes, with the administration, with the takeover, with all the embargoes and everything, it's unfortunately left this club in a, in a debilitated position. It's going to take two or three years to rebuild the academy at least. You know, and we we are short on numbers. We still have to get players to the door, but we have to make sure that we're balancing the books and paying the bills as well. So it'll be it'll be a very interesting, interesting um, next few months, rest of the season and the next couple of seasons as well. Dom, I want to ask you a question that has been on my mind because we had heard that David Klaus is number one managerial target was Paul Warren. 
So then if he knew he wanted Paul Warren, why ride Liam? Why go with the Liam Rossignor train for as long as what he did? And he didn't make that move sooner. I think he wanted to give uh, someone in Liam Rossignor a, a fair shot that had put his loyalty in the club. But also, I think it worked the other way as well. I don't think people should forget the opportunity Liam Rossini was given at the football club to to take on the role at the size of, of Derby County. Look, Paul Warren was the, the the number one target for David Klaus. But you've got to think from Paul Warren's side of things, maybe things didn't match up from his point of view in, in terms of the other side. He wanted to leave Rotherham, a club he cares about dearly, a club he's been at for years and years and years. He wanted to maybe leave them in a in a stable foundation to then make the move. So there's so many things that go into these moves. But look, Liam Rossini, he got his opportunity and that's what happened in the end. Um, and now I think we're, we're seeing the, the issues with that, just purely based on the fact that Paul, Paul Warner is in now and he's got a Liam Rossini squad that have been drilled into playing a certain way. That is the, the main issue, unfortunately. Things don't, sort of work out completely, you know, seamlessly as they always do in football. But look, I know I know Derby wanted Paul Warren, um, but it things don't happen as, as you'd expect. And there's lots of different factors involved. So like, you can't put it down to just one thing. But at the end of the day, he's here now. He's taken on the challenge. So clearly there was intent from his side. But uh, yeah, these things take time. And you've got to also think David Klaus had just taken over his boyhood football club. It wouldn't have been the most straightforward situation. First job on the first day to go get a new manager. You know what I mean? He's got to get a team first. Yeah, he's got to get he's got he's got to get people to train, take part in a preseason that was already two weeks late. So there were a lot of things on his tick list to get done. Um, and unfortunately for Liam, it didn't work out for him. He was a great guy, class act. Uh, saw some great performances. Um, but yeah, the, he's got his man. Dom, one thing that did work out uh, in the favor of Paul Warren over the last week was the coffee machine it has been installed at Moore Farm, thank God. Um, first of all, one, have you seen the coffee machine? Two, is it nice? And three, are you allowed to use it? I've been shown a, a video of it Ooh. Uh, and and it looks good. Looks like it has a wide range. Um, I was promised, actually, if we if we won at Ipswich, uh, Paul said he, he might uh, get us a coffee out of it and bring it in, but obviously... That didn't go to plan, and and today there was no coffee when I got to Moor Farm, so uh, very sad. Um, hopefully at some point soon, but I, I'm I'm led to believe it's gone down a hit, um, and I've loved how invested people have been in that story uh, this season. It, it has been great, but he he wasn't even the first one to get get a sip out of it. He, it they opened it when when he wasn't even there. How outrageous is Who that? Who got the honorary first sip? I don't know. I don't know. He was sent a video though, and that's the video I've seen. Oh, so, fair enough. Whoever got it, I mean, look, what, what special, an honor. Special person. <laughs> uh, I'm, go, I'm going Richard Stearman. Just to edge my bets. Yeah. Seniority, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Dom, um, Jason Knight, we know, uh, I think you tweeted this out. He was out for for a month or so. Um, what are the What's the situation with the other two injuries that they picked up against Ipswich? I believe there was a couple of knocks. Yeah, so uh, Paul Ward actually revealed today uh, to us that Tom Barkat has got a hamstring tweak. Um, so he's going to be out for a period of time, which again shows the fragility of the squad because, look, who comes in for, for Tom Barkat? And that's a big um, puzzle for the manager to solve. Um, Curtis Davis has had a scan on his knee today. Um, so I think he had some swelling and they're just checking whether it's fluid or something a bit more... Uh, long term, hopefully for for our sake and Curtis's sake, it's it's just a bit of swelling. But I think that'll all come out, and we'll probably know by tomorrow night uh, what the latest is with Curtis. And Jason, um, that's kind of all the questions I have, Derby County related for Dom before we sit down to get to know him, because he's not done with me in the hot seat just yet. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we we are definitely going to talk talk about Dom's career and uh, in in a little more detail. But I think just just to you know have a bit of a bit of a look further towards the game tomorrow night, Exeter Exeter City, uh, another one of the promoted sides. Obviously, not the first one that we've played, and if hopefully uh, it doesn't go the same way as as, as 
Port Vale. And uh, you know, we 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 can pick up those those three points. And I think it is a as a as we've just been speaking about, I do think it's quite an important uh to get those first three points under Paul Warner at Pride Park as, as soon as we can. Um obviously, like you said there, Dom, you've you've been um you've been at Moore Farm today for, for pre-match and uh, presses and things like that. He, he comes across from what I've, what obviously what we've heard of him as, as quite a, a genuine, honest guy. Uh, I, unfortunately I've not, because of work, I've not listened to, uh, to any, any of the uh, pre-match uh, at the moment. What's, what was, what was your feeling? What the mood in the camp is? Is it just a case of, you know, dusting the lads down and, and going again for what are two, pretty big home games in the space of four days yeah look I, I, I think it's it's I think I think the interesting thing we, we find with football I think both as supporters and as journalists is that football's very reactionary and then and if you think about it in that 90 minutes against Ipswich there were sort of two things that that completely changed the narrative if that if Curtis Davis doesn't give that back pass you're coming out of that game at Portman Road probably saying that's a really hard fought point and that just shows the steel that this side have got that could have been a possible narrative and Paul Warren and his coaching staff and the players are well aware that that's just what football is like. And that's the environment they're in. They're not, they're used to this. Um, they feel good. Um, obviously there's the squad situation as it gets thinner and thinner with injuries. That's the only concern um, at the moment, but look, he's a, he's a, his attitude. And he said it today is look next person up. He's not going to get bogged down with, oh, no, it's, it's really sad that we're missing him. You know, it's next person on the rank. And he also said that when James Collins got suspended for that red card against Port Vale, he, he spoke straight after about, look, it's next person on the rank. Someone has to come in and take that opportunity. And look what Willa Sula did. He burst onto the burst onto the scene, to use a Micah Richards phrase, um, at Accrington Stanley and scores two brilliant goals and suddenly we see his potential. So, Look, they're not downbeat. They're happy with, with where they are. Um, they know football can soon change over the next two games. It could be a very different story, as we've touched upon in the pod already. Uh, but going into tomorrow, extra another side that should not be underestimated. They're above us in the table. And I think that's becoming quite uh, a thing for Derby fans at the moment, is realising that your Lincolns, your, your Accringtons, your, your Exeters, you're in the same division. That's the sad reality, and that is the the reality check that I think Derby fans have have, have had this season, and, and the culture shock we spoke about. So, look, the mood's good, but they know it's not going to be easy. Uh, they've got a new manager as well, uh, I think, announced this morning, yeah. um, and things have happened over the weekend with a few of their players that have been going on social media. So it might mm. not be the the easiest preparation for them, but look, uh, they have no reason to to be too downbeat. No, I mean, let's hope Derby can take advantage of those. I mean, I, and I know I mentioned, I think, uh, last week on the pod, Corey, I don't think you was here. Obviously, you know that my wife's family are all from Swindon and they're massive Swindon town fans. And so towards the end of last season, I was watching Swindon in the playoffs, who, of course, Port Vale ended up beating in the semi-finals. And I remember watching that game and going, oh, if one, you know, whoever comes up, this is the style of football that we're going to have to get used to in, in League One from a fair chunk of the sides. And then little did I think Port Vale were going to go up and then obviously actually beat Derby on their own patch. And you're absolutely spot on, Dom. I think some Derby fans at the moment are, you know, scratching their heads, rubbing their eyes and going, what is what is this about? But it just goes to show you the reasons why your Sunderlands, your, your Peterboroughs, your Boltons of the world, you know, Sheffield Wednesdays, Nottingham Forest when they were down there years ago. This is a, a very, very, very difficult league to get out of. And... Obviously, not just us as fans, but you know the the, the coaching staff and uh, the owner spotted that quite quickly. I think in in the season and realised that, yeah, maybe maybe it's you know it, it, we need that League One now. And I know Corey, it's something that we spoke about a lot in the summer. That you, you know, one thing that Derby did lack, if you was going to look at it under Liam Rossini and, and the players that we brought in, was was a bit of League One bit of League One now, and I think Paul Warren brings that. And obviously, we all hope that that gets that gets better and and better. Um, and that is about it for the for, for the preview of Exeter. As we say, after that, we have got Bristol Rovers on Saturday, back to back home games, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to that one as well, Corey. But we are going to turn attentions for the final fifteen minutes of the pod 
Um, all on all on Dom, and um, I, I think before we fully get into you, into your fledging uh, journalistic career, Dom, one of the questions I want to ask you, because of course you are now uh, you are in uh, back in you know following Derby County around for for Radio Derby. Um, and it's an interesting one for me, and it kind of ties in at that point uh, that I've just, you know, we've just been talking about. Now, I imagine you look young enough that the last time Derby were at this level, um, you you probably weren't following Derby County. So, you know Derby County of the era of obviously Premier League history and um, a good a good fourteen years in the Championship, coming up against well known solid names in football what's it been like for you uh, over this you know, last few weeks going to the likes of Fleetwood going to the likes of Morecambe uh, Shrewsbury on a Tuesday night and things like that has is it is it been a bit of an eye-opener for you personally as a as a fan more than anything more than a, a, a journal as a journalistic thing but of course as a journalistic thing as well because I'm sure the press box at uh, at Fleetwood isn't quite the the glitz and glam of, of Hillsborough or, or Pride Park I'll tell you what, I've spent the last three years at Manchester doing a lot of League 2 and League 1. And I tell you what, going to uh, a boundary park, cold night at boundary park for Oldham Athletic was always was always an experience. So, look, this hasn't been too much of a, of a, of a change for me, um, but it is strange going with Derby uh, now. And, and you just see it with the away followings as well. It's... It's, it almost feels bizarre that they're, they're in certain grounds coming up against these teams, but I, I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. Look, you can't beat a, a very fancy Premier League press box. I mean, they're, they're lovely, but it's not proper football. And when you go to these Fleetwoods, it was an absolute wind tunnel. There was no press box. You just sat there and, and take it all in. You're out there. I, I love it. I love it. I, I, the further you go down the pyramid, is the more proper football becomes. Um and the more included you feel in it. But I think with League One, from our point of view, um, has also shown a less interest from the national media. So you get more of that intimate relationship back with the club again. Um, and I'm not sure if, if fans care about that. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's quite interesting. You know, you go to a press conference in the Championship or, or the Premier League in, in years gone by and there would be TV cameras, there would be all sorts. But at the moment, you, you have myself, uh, Lee Curtis from the, the Derby Telegraph, Rams TV, do their bit. Um, and you occasionally get the sort of East Midlands Today people come. And and that's the reality of being in League One from our point of view as well. So it is a different experience, but it's a, definitely a more intimate one. Um, and I am loving seeing the Derby fans sell out everywhere. It is special. You can't beat it. When you see them all behind the goal or, or wherever, Accrington was special, over half the ground, uh, taken up by Derby fans. I mean, it's it's it, it's an absolute blessing to, to go and, and do this job and, and get paid to do it because I know a lot of fans give up their hard-earned money. I couldn't believe the, the following on Friday night at Ipswich as well. Um, on a Friday, it's on TV and you're still packing in over 1,700. It's, it's a special fan base. and Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Dom, um, when you did your introductory press press media stuff with Chris Coles, he asked you what vegetable you would be, and you said you would be an onion. Um, and that's always stuck with me because I've I've always seen you and I thought, Dom, he's an onion. That's right. And I don't know I don't know why that was a thing, and I don't know what vegetable I would be. Um, but you know, it's getting close to Halloween here. What, what's going to be your Halloween costume? I can't, I don't, I'm not sure if Are I'm going to go as Ed now. Dawes, Dom? Oh, that's terrifying. Why would I do that? No, I, I, <laughs> I want to I I be allowed in places. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I don't. Oh, what's my Halloween costume going to be? I was going to say Mel Morris, but <laughs> <I'm worried. laughs> um, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a last ditch person on Halloween. So I'm a bit of a get to Thursday. If you're going going somewhere for a Halloween party on the Friday, you'll 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 quickly jump on Amazon Prime and not that we advertise Amazon Prime or anything like that, but jump on that, get a little order in. If you just search Halloween costume, first thing that comes up, bang, done. So probably just like a, I don't know, like a, I might go as an onion, a horror onion. Yeah, that seems that seems like a fitting one. Dom, if you could dress up as any Derby County player for Halloween, who would it be and why? Past or present? Wow. 
past or present? This is the hard-hitting questions we ask okay. here on the podcast. No, I, I like it. I would like to grow a few inches. So I would go for... Uh, hmm. Tell you what, it'd either be Curtis Davis or Joe Wildsmith, because Joe Wildsmith has a great beard as well. So if I could pull that off, I'd be very happy. Because, as you can probably tell with me, uh, facial hair is something to be left to be desired. Um, uh, yeah, I'd probably go Joe Wildsmith. Why not? He's a good-looking chap. And that's good because he cut off his man bun too. So that's good. You wouldn't have to grow. You wouldn't have to grow the man bun. Um, so we we we've talked a little bit before with some of the other journalists. Steve Nicholson was famous for his you know fingerless gloves. Ryan Conway with his uh, turtlenecks. Owen Bradley likes a lot of different types of caps and hats and things like that. What's your fashion sense on the terraces? Oh, oh, it's not very good. It's a cold one. I'm rubbish in the winter, so. I think I can wear a hoodie all year round and get away with it. Um, but if anyone was listening to the show, where were we? We were at, yeah, at Accrington. I was shivering for like the last 20 minutes of it because I'm really bad at packing for the cold. Um, so I'm normally just a hoodie, hoodie jeans and, and, and trainers, but I, I do need to smarten it up. I always feel like at home you need to dress smarter. So I go for like a quarter zip and, and a shirt or something. Uh, but when you're going away, you're getting ready for battle. So it, it's got to be summit warm. I have ordered a new coat. So maybe I'll, I'll give you that exclusive when it comes. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, and when you do get to have a sip from Paul Warren's Magic Coffee Machine, um, what type of biscuit guy are you, Dom? Do you like custard creams, digestives, digestive of the chocolate, Oreos? Like what is Dom Dietrich's favorite biscuit? Chocolate hobnobs. Oof. Honestly, they are unrivaled. And I no one could take me to task on that. (laughs) Chocolate hobnobs are the best. Like you get the you get the chocolate that you get from a chocolate digestive, but then you get like the the strength of it, you know. You've seen the Peter Kay sketch surely where he's he's dipping all the dipping all the different biscuits in and the hobnob is like the soldier that's in and out, in and out, just doesn't give up. And just the chocolate just adds that little bit more. So yeah, chocolate hobnob. And Jay's Jay's approval. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just just the king of the king of biscuits, if you ask me. Um, that that is uh, that is me down to a T. The uh, the chocolate the chocolate hobnob can be rivaled with a uh, with a caramel chocolate digestive. But other than that, Ooh. I mean, I am a I am a I am a hobnob hobnob type of guy. But I mean, you know, the, the, these are the hard hitting questions that we ask on the podcast, isn't it, Corey? But it is. You know, we we need to know these people. You know, it's all it's all professional uh, on a Saturday at three o'clock. But we we like to uh, we like to tone it down a little bit and like the onion, get in get into some of those layers of yeah. uh, of, of a different person. The there uh, we go. the Jason. Before I turn over you for a few questions, Dom, if you were to go to a to a supermarket. And there was the Mr. Kipling cake aisle. The cake man, not the poet. What Mr. Kipling's are you going for? Oh, Mr. Kipling's. Because um, I'm a sucker for Mr. I, Kipling cakes. I found out I could buy them here the other day. And I sent Jason and I saw, I bought the store out. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I hate, I hate, is it mar- marzipan? I, I, I genuinely, um, actually, Ed, Ed, at Ipswich handed me some marzipan chocolate and I'll never forgive him because it was awful. Um, <laughs> it, 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 he gave it to me with such like enthusiasm and like was like, he's really excited for me to try it and thought it was an easy, easy win for him. And I, I, it was horrible. Um, but no, I would go for a, uh, a, you know, the little apple pies they do. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like them. You yeah, got to do it pass. properly. You got, you got to take the roof off first and then work your way. Yeah, um, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for a Viennese whirl, ooh, and a Bakewell yeah. Bakewell tart, Bakewell slice. I've never got on with them. I've you never had cherry. I went to Bakewell to try all of the Bakewell tarts I could buy in the village, <laughs> and I was <laughs> just like good. going from shop to shop, like I need a Bakewell tart. I need a Bakewell tart. Do you want? Yes, I want custard on that. Don't ask me stupid <laughs> questions. Like, <laughs> I, like, do you want I custard think... or cream? And I was like, can I get both? I think I think they're the most irritating cake for me, and I, I, I'll explain why. Because they look incredible, and then I always look at them and I think, oh, is that like a strawberry jam inside or something like that? And then I go to eat it, I take a bite, and then I realise it's a Bakewell tart, and I'm I honestly gutted. 
Dom, Dom, me and me and you are going to get on. I, I can, I can, I can see this because I absolutely despise them. My wife absolutely <laughs> loves them. I, I, I have to go to Bakewell to buy them for her uh, if I'm when I'm when I'm travelling up to Manchester for work. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, not for me. Well, I, can I cross was, uh, Bakewell off for our nice little weekend getaway, guys. Okay? Absolutely, <laughs> Bakewell apple pie off the list. Apple pie. I'm up for that. Uh, oh, apple pie Viennese worlds. I'm a fan of them. The little daughter likes them as well. Uh, the, the, yeah. yeah, plenty of plenty of things like that. Jason, Dom's so, uh, under pressure here. Like the Exeter back line, you got to hit him with a couple of rapid fire questions. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, th- th- there is nobody on this podcast that asks questions like you, Corey, for the for the hard hitting facts of so our I guests. Get some big bucks. Um, but obviously, we do want to, and I'm I'm a little bit more of a bit more of a sensible one, um, I suppose. And we obviously we have to ask how. And for anybody that uh, obviously didn't listen to a couple of your first interviews, Dom, where obviously I know because I I did listen, you went you went into obviously how you've become um, the the new sport part of the new sports team. Um, Tell it. I know it's really hard sometimes to talk about yourself, but I mean, I, I would, I would love it if you could for the, for the first couple of minutes. Journalism as a whole was it always, you know, was it always a dream of yours? And, and basically, what what's led you to uh, to following the Rams round? Um, well, yeah. So it's always been. I've always, I've always talked a lot. So all my reports at school would be, look, he just needs to concentrate. He needs to talk more. So I kind of took that quite literally and and, and tried to take it on in a career. Um, I was actually pot washing um, at a pub called the Hollybush in the village I grew up in. Great pub, great food. Um, and I, my mum was a journalist. She used to run a paper in Alveston um, called News Round. I think she'll she'll kill me if I've got that wrong. Um, and she always had that interest and, and that sort of background. So I was always quite curious about it. And then she gave me like a, a book on journalism whilst I was doing work experience at the local pub, being a chef. I like Gordon Ramsay. Um, so, so I started trying to become a chef, got this book on journalism and then thought, oh, this could actually be a, be a career. Um, so I, I basically went through all the, the processes, um, got through college, then went to uni, studied sports journalism in Southampton. Um, and then at the end of my first year, I got work experience at BBC Radio Derby with Owen Bradley at the time, uh, where I got to go in and work for like a summer. Um, so it was a summer completely free um, like unpaid work but you'd go in every day and you'd be working on the sports desk with Owen and Ed um, and you would learn the tricks of the trade you would learn all about it and I actually got the chance when I was there Steve McLaren do you remember the ice bucket challenge uh, Steve McLaren actually did his ice bucket challenge when I went to Moore Farm for the first time um, which was quite an experience Um so yeah, I learned, sort of learned loads during that summer. Always loved it. Obviously, being from Derby and a Derby fan, it was special. Um, and got to go to a couple of games. Uh, and then from then on, I was hooked. I was like, right, this is this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to do at some point. Went back to Southampton for uni for the next few years. Did sort of community radio. Um, did a non-league radio show out there. We're like having a Waterlooville and all these crazy teams that some amazing stories and some brilliant stuff. Um, and that was my first ever live radio. Um, and then from there, finished uni, worked at TalkSport for like a year or so, uh, just behind the scenes. Got to hold Noel Gallagher's beers, though, on my first shift. That was quite cool. Ooh, um, yes. Yeah, very cool. Um, that was my claim to fame. Uh, left there to go sort of like the local radio route to get myself on air. Um, went to Stoke, went to... Um, then ended up in Manchester after sort of two or three years. So I was at Stoke in the time that Gary Rowett was there. So I met him uh, quite quite a few times. I was at his final press conference, which was eventful. Um, and then got the, got a job at Manchester full-time as a sports journalist, um, where I've been for the last sort of two or three years. So it's, it's been an amazing ride. And it's, it's bizarre because I've always had this job in the back of my mind. Um, but how it's all timed and... and Chris was amazing to me. He was so helpful with sort of feedback and stuff like that. For like the two years I was at Manchester, I used to send him stuff um, and get him to sort of critique it. And I've always respected him so much. And he's, he's so good at the job. So getting the opportunity to step into his shoes was was incredible. Um, and obviously follow on the work from Owen of the past. And 
it, it was it's bizarre. It still hasn't really sunk in, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's it's very special, uh, and I don't take it for granted. Uh, trust me. <laughs> And certainly talking on Chris, I mean, Chris came onto the podcast three or four times and uh, it, it was absolutely completely by accident, obviously because of busy schedules and, and covering the, the phone-ins and things like that. We'd, we'd got one arranged with Chris for two or three weeks and then the day before is when he released that he was leaving and we were like, ah, okay. And then we've got him on the podcast. So we, we off camera, we, uh, we had a bit of a, a a bit of a chat, and I mean, absolute top bloke. And yeah, he was obviously he, he was he did a he did a fantastic job over the fair few years. Actually, he was with Radio Derby. Didn't realise he was he was there as long as he was. Um, and so obviously, as you know, pr- pretty big shoes to fill, Dom. And I, I have to say that I think you know so far, so far for for me personally, that you think you're doing a think you're doing a cracking job. And um, like you said, back obviously back to back to your boyhood roots, back to where where you are i mean obviously as still quite a quite a young lad you know what what's what's the dream over the next few years i mean yeah uh yeah so just want to echo what you said about chris though to be fair massive shoes to step into and like if i could do if i could do half the job that that chris did i'll, I'll be very proud um but I just want to enjoy enjoy the ride um, of Derby County uh, for a few years and, and look, see where we can take it and hopefully be part of the new era from, from a Radio Derby perspective. And I, I know I won't be everyone's cup of tea and, and I know that's the case with this industry, but um, I just want to hopefully give people the best sort of coverage of, of Derby and, and hope that they know that someone who's doing the job is, is has got them at the heart. And, uh, and, and you know, I really want to make a good go of it and, and you know I cherish every day that I'm in the job and every show that I do just doing the talking tonight still bizarre um, to me that, that I'm hosting it because I would listen so it's it's really strange but over the next few years yeah just enjoy the, the Derby County roller coaster uh, I I would aim for what what do you reckon about 20 or 30 emergency talkings oh, over that you, time what, this season yeah <laughs> You've got to have a few. You have got to have a few. I know it's the I've one thing that one. we spoke. Yeah, well, you have. I mean, it's one thing that we spoke about with Chris, and we said, like, you know, ever since you came into the to to the Derby job, it it was just, you know, thing after thing after thing, and it's just like, how good does that make your job in terms of? Obviously, you are a journalist at heart, and you're a broadcaster. I imagine at some quiet football club where you know there's not a great deal to talk about Monday to Friday it's 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 really hard very similar to this podcast I mean ever since we started it three or four years ago it's been talk after talk after talk there's always been something to talk about I'd hate to you know have to try and almost plan a show not that we plan them but you know try trying to organize putting out content content on a on a little you know flowery village football team or, or, or something like that I'd, I think I'd find it really difficult so yeah you You've surely you've got to have a few just to get your feet under the table, haven't you? Absolutely, and, and to be fair, I've been quite lucky in my career so far, like covering the likes of like the Northwest. When you look at the stories and tragic story of Barry, um, tragic story of Macclesfield, all, both going out of business, obviously both sort of on their way back up in, in certain different um, sort of Phoenix teams, and then a, a recreation at Macclesfield as well. Um, but I've never been far away from drama. Uh, always had something. I've been part of the Salford City journey, uh, Wigan Athletic as well, uh, going into administration. And then my last uh, my last Saturday show for Radio Manchester was when Oldham Athletic got relegated. Um, there was a coffin outside. The fans ran onto the pitch and stopped the game from being played. It had to be played behind closed doors. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely. Um, I'm ready, I think, for, for whatever they throw. Uh, but hopefully, there is a Derby County head coach at the moment with a four-year contract. Hopefully, he sees that out. It is all merry, and we can dance on into the Premier League in, in a few years. Yes. <laughs> Dom, everything I've read, um, the comments and everything like that, and the people I've talked to, you're doing an amazing job um, in your in your position. and. You know, we we wanted to talk to you for a while, but we wanted to get your your feet under the table. Get we don't want to talk to anybody that doesn't have that hasn't done an emergency talk in yet. So we wanted for that duck to break. Um, but um, you know, you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, I'm glad that you're you're living out your dream of 
of doing this um, and allowing us the opportunity to to talk with you and the opportunities to come on the BBC as well, because I know it's a, it's a dream of ours as well that, that we've, that we're able to live out as well. So Dom, that's everything I've got. I just want to thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope we can catch up again soon. Um, and I've, I've thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me guys. I really appreciate it. And you guys are such a big part of, you know, Derby County fans uh, as well. You just look at the club and the stature and like how many fans, want to just talk about it and, and have podcasts it's such a great culture so now i'm flattered to be invited and uh yeah it's uh it's been good guys thank you no i yeah i, I just just echo the same thanks for thanks for wanting to come on dom i mean it's it is great where i know obviously you're, you're much more mainstream media than than obviously we are but it it is always nice to, to get somebody on and obviously you know talk football and talk but it's also Nice to, as I say, peel back the layers. I mean, what, that's going to have to be the uh, the title of the podcast, I think, peeling back the layers with with Dom <laughs> Dietrich, Corey, because that that's what we've done. But it is also it's always not anybody that we've had on from Radio Derby or from Rams TV, like Ed, Owen, Chris, or or uh, Nico, and 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 all those. It's it's just great because they are the ones as fans as we all are. And you know they're the ones that you go to for for news about the club, and 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 it's all it's also nice to be able to chat about it on, under this scenario, and, and just you know get get a feel for you, you hear the voice a lot or you read the thoughts a lot, but it's not always you know uh, on on this on this platform that you can you can have a good old uh, good old chinwag and hopefully uh, hopefully a laugh, and hopefully we've not put you off coming on again, Dom, because we would definitely like you to like you to uh, like you to be on again in the future, mate. But we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Dom, for joining us on this week's episode of the Randrew Podcast. The final thing to do before we leave is, of course, we do this week have a segment from our opponents tomorrow night. Corey. Exeter City, and that's the Big Bang, the Big Bank Theory Podcast. Uh, and Dan from the Big Bank Theory Podcast is going to give us a look at all things Grecians ahead of tomorrow night's matchup. This is Dan here from. Uh... The Exeter City podcast, The Big Bank Theory. Um, answering a few questions about our upcoming match. So, so far this season for Exeter, it's been good. An excellent start, really. Um, none of us really knew how we get on in um first time back in League One in a, a good while, decade or so. Um, but we've done well. We've... Um, Beating some teams we didn't expect to beat. Um, we've not lost to too many. We do feel we haven't really played any of the real big sides yet. That's all coming up. Yourselves being one of them. Um, we've also got Argyle pretty soon too. And um, I think we're going to get battered, which won't be fun. But um, obviously the season's kind of turned a little bit results-wise. And... In no part down to our manager leaving for Rotherham United the other day. Um, we haven't, well, we have won since he left, but we have lost the last two games four two and four two. Um, and currently, as I record this, we don't have a manager, um, so we're a bit unsure. Really, Matt Taylor, our old manager instrumental really at turning things around building a new squad um um in his own image almost you know um and a lot of the credit goes to him because you know it's his side and um we don't know what's going to come next it's um it's all up in the air um but we've got a caretaker manager at the minute and he's been kind of playing the same well exactly the same way as Matt Taylor did before he left. So that's a strong emphasis on wing-backs um, and a commitment to the three centre-backs as well, um, even if we haven't got any fit at all, which is currently the case. Um, but by the time we play you guys, I think we'll have a couple of them back. But yeah, wing-backs is very much the order of the day. Um, we've got some very strong forward players. Um, Giovanni Brown, who's been a bit of a lower league journeyman over the years, but seems to really found um, found himself really at Exeter City, and is we none of us can believe how good he is. I don't think either any of the 
supporters of his previous clubs couldn't quite believe it either, but he's superb. Um, and as well as that, Sam Nombe up front, another guy who'd played at a higher level but hadn't really worked out for him, injuries and whatnot, but he's been excellent for us too. And we've got a lovely little centre midfielder called Archie Collins, who's one of our many academy graduates, um, who's just, you know, ticks things over in the uh, in the middle there. Nothing too flash, but the metronome, if you will. Um, weaknesses, we're not very physical. Um, sometimes we're error prone defensively. Um, so we will concede, we will concede, but, um, that would be the, I mean, the injuries, if they persist, that's going to be the real problem and, and aerially balls into the box, stuff like that. We have struggled even last year when we got promoted, but, um, like I said, there'll be a new manager coming in at some point, hopefully before we come up to Derby. So, um, who knows? Might be all be complete. Might be playing four four two by then. Who can say? As far as Derby are concerned, we um, obviously giants of the game, and um, we're all very much looking forward to it. Almost as kind of a novelty spectacle. Sounds a bit reductive for to us, but it's kind of how it is. We want to compete. I think if we still had Matt Taylor, and depending on who we get in, we'll think that we can compete you know um it's not i mean obviously derby you know you guys are doing well then you're not blowing the not blowing the league away at just yet and obviously you've had your own difficulties but we're um we'll go there optimistically i imagine um depending on how the game's going between now and then because like i said the last couple since the manager gone not so good but um a lot of the fans, I think, are really looking forward to kind of going to... This is the really the first one of the season of the kind of um, the glamour ties of, uh, that we expected when we got promoted to League One and to go to... Um, go up to Derby. I think it's the first time we've ever been up there. I mean, especially since you moved stadium, whenever that was, a long time ago. Um, and we'll... You know, a lot of there were a lot of Exeter City fans making the trip. We travel really well, and we make a lot of noise. And um, I'm sure you know you guys probably do as well. But as far as how I think we'll set up, I think, I mean, like I said, who knows? But if it, if it stays the same as it has been, we'll probably try to. I'd like to think we try and pack the midfield out a bit more than we have been, and. Um, Try and press down those wings, and got a couple of good, really young academy wing backs as well. A lad called Josh Key on the right, and a lad called Jack Sparks on the left. They're both very tricky, um, kind of pacey, but more tricky really. And um, every once in a while, they can put a good delivery in. But it's actually weirdly less about the delivery and more about the kind of progression up the pitch. Um, we're kind of seeing it that this one at the start of the season. You think of these as free hits, really, away against um, you know a much bigger club, and you think, well, we're not going to win that, but it'll be fun to go, and it'll be nice to pit ourselves against you know a big team at a big stadium in a in a big place, you know. So um, a bit of a free hit, like I said, and we'll just enjoy ourselves and. Even if we get battered, we won't be too gutted, I wouldn't have thought, because, you know, it wasn't one we would have had down at the start of the season for a win. Um, perhaps when you, I'm not sure when the return leg is, but um, perhaps at home we'd fancy our chances a bit more. We've been pretty good at home over the last few years. But like I said, this is all really academic, because who can possibly say what's going to happen when we get a new manager? I don't know. Who's that going to be? Steve Bruce? Wouldn't have thought so. Anyway, uh, prediction-wise, I'm generally err uh, on the side of pessimism. But, uh, OK, well, I'll, I'll go 2-2. A 2-2 draw. And that's me, you know, 
I don't actually think that's going to happen, but I'm just trying to be optimistic. And maybe they'll rise to the occasion, you know. A few players wanted to put themselves in the shop window, maybe. And, uh, of course, we'll have the old new manager bounce. Anyway, um, see you up there, I suppose. Cheers. Thanks for that, Dan. Really interesting, Jason. Should be a, should be a great matchup. I, I don't think we've played Exeter in a really, really long time. Um, so, yeah, should be interesting. Obviously, it's, it's, it's enjoyable kind of playing different teams, I think, is, is, is kind of fun. You know, you, you kind of like, oh, we're playing Cardiff again. Oh, we're playing Millsburg again. And, yeah, I would love to be playing again this season. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes it's interesting when you're playing different teams for different matchups. So, should be a good game. Hopefully, Darby can come out with the three points, and, and that's what I'm excited for. Oh, absolutely. Me too. Um, it's been it's been a cracking episode yet again. Obviously, we've also got the Bristol Rovers game on Saturday. We're not going to have another podcast before then. We've unfortunately not been able to sort out a uh, opposition's view to that one. But I mean, you know, one's enough. Let's face it. These double week games, as we're as we're rolling towards the World Cup, Corey, they're getting busier and busier. But um, we'll be back next week uh, to obviously all the fallout from Exeter, all the fallout for Bristol Rovers. Um, and I, I must admit, I can't even remember who we play after that. There must be another midweek game, probably away, as we've got a run of about 10 in a row. There is. And then a couple of weeks after that, Jason, stay tuned for our bumper up for the cup podcast where we got FA Cup and Carabao Cup action to preview as well as a special World Cup preview as well. Um, so should be exciting times. We apologize for missing last week's episode. And like Jason said, sorry for not being able to get a Bristol Rovers podcast on. We have tried our best, um, but, you know. Unfortunately, schedules have fallen and things have fallen uh, strangely. So we got the Grecians in and we'll continue to do the best. But Jason, I'd just like to say before we finish, thank you to all of our listeners uh, for their continued support um, throughout this season. Um, we know it's been a bit of an up and down one, but we hope you're enjoying the content. Um, please send us a, a DM on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Get in touch. Uh, let us know how we're doing and how we can improve. Um, but, you know, we do this because we're passionate about Derby County. So thank you so much for um, taking the time to to listen with us every week. And, 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 and we really enjoy the support. It, it means it means the world to us. And that's why we do it uh, to provide you with the best Derby County content. Now, that is very true. And we are rolling in, as I say, to a very, very busy November. So that means episodes, 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 I am sure. But until next time, there's only one thing left to say, and that is up the ramps. Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review One, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams.